Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining me today. Going to do a two-part series today and tomorrow on humility. And I've called the message today, Healing Through Humility. Well, I heard about a pastor, and he was voted the humblest pastor in America. Well, his congregation was so proud of him that they gave him a medal. And that medal said, to the most humble pastor in America. Well, they took it away from him the next Sunday because he wore it to church. Well, I want you to know that being humble is something that you never quite arrive at. It seems like we constantly have to work on this matter of humility. It was Jonathan Edwards who said, the best protection that we can have from the evil of the devil and his schemes is a humble heart. Well, one of the ways that we can manage the personal pain that we experience in our lives, the hurt that we have in our lives, is by keeping an eternal perspective, realizing that our lives are not going to go on forever and ever and ever. There is a day that will be finished this journey here on this earth. And so we are going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2 today and tomorrow. But here are some Bible verses that really, I think, will help you to live in humility with eternity in mind. Psalm 90, verse number 2, before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Oh, remember that God is God and I am not. Uh, That will help me to walk in humility. Ecclesiastes 3.11. God has made everything appropriate in his time. He has set also eternity in their hearts. Without the possibility that mankind will find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. From everlasting to everlasting. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean that God has set eternity in our hearts? It means that we are limited in our grasp of what it means to understand eternity. You see, our finiteness keeps us from fully understanding the work which God has done from beginning to end. Yet despite these limitations, we can indeed comprehend enough about God and His eternal nature to heal from life's hurts. So let's look at Philippians chapter 2. Paul is writing, he says, you must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him that name that is above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. 
I was reading a Wall Street Journal not too long ago, and and it really kind of encouraged me because oftentimes we read stats and it appears that young adults are turning away from the faith. Well, this article, dated April 24th, 2023, says a greater share of young adults say they believe in a higher power or God. About one-third of those who are 18 to 25-year-olds say they believe more than doubt in the existence of God or a higher being. Now, that's up one-quarter since 2021. Now, according to this survey of young adults, the findings based on a polling that they did back at the end of last year discovered that the state of religion and the state of the youth being involved in religion is actually increasing. Young adults, theologians, and church leaders attribute are increasing their understanding of a need for a relationship with God. For many young people, the pandemic, the COVID pandemic, was the first crisis they ever faced. It affected everyone to some degree, from the loss of family members to friends, and and unfortunately, the loss of jobs and and our daily life was interrupted. In many ways, it says the pandemic aged young Americans, and they are now turning to the same comfort that previous generations turned to during times of tragedy, and they're doing it to find healing and to find comfort. Well, the thesis today is, I can find healing through humility. But what is humility? Biblically defined, humility is this sincere and this deep sense of one's moral smallness, one's moral littleness. It's thinking less of yourself with a strong dependence on Christ. So biblical humility is not spending a lot of time thinking about myself. It's spending most of my time dependent and thinking about Christ. Even Webster's Dictionary gives us this definition of humility. It is freedom from pride or arrogance. You see, humility is something that is is gained and it's practiced as we grow in wisdom and in grace. The 1897 Bible Dictionary defines humility as a prominent Christian grace. It is a state of mind that is well-pleasing to God. It preserves the soul. It causes us to live in tranquility. It causes us to be patient under trials. Biblically speaking, we could say that humility is the opposite of pride. And according to one source, we could use certain words that mean the same thing as humility. Or we could use words that are opposite of humility. For example, the opposite of a humble person is an arrogant person, or a person that is egotistical, or a person that is pretentious, or a person that is filled with self-importance. So biblically defined, humility is a sense of one and one's moral smallness. Well, maybe that leads to the question of, why should I even want to be humble? Well, let me give you a couple of reasons why it is important for us to desire to be humble. Now, humility is one of those things that I think 
we often are lacking in this character trait because we're not grace-filled believers. It is through grace that we receive humility. So there's some reasons why you should want to be humble. Here's the first reason. Those who are humble will avoid destruction. So I say to the inmates, and I say to anybody who will listen to me, if you stay humble, you will not stumble. I won't stumble because I'm already down. Not that I'm thinking low of myself. I'm not thinking about myself at all. I'm taking a position that is not a significant position. Jesus said, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you got to be servant of all. So I should want to be humble to avoid destruction. In the Old Testament, in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, we discover that when he, referring to Joash, now in the Old Testament, there's two characters, two kings by the name of Joash. One was uh, the king over Judah, and the other was the king over of Israel. One northern kingdom, one southern kingdom, both shared the same name. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it's talking about Joash, who was the king over Judah. And we discover that when he first became king, he sought advice. I mean, he didn't know what to do. He was in way over his head. He was a very young person when he became king. And so he got his advisors together and said, listen, I need some help, guys. I have no idea what to do. Can you guys give me some wisdom? And can you give me some guidance? And he listened to these guys. He listened to these wiser, older prophets that instructed him and guided him. And uh, the kingdom did great. However, as the kingdom began to thrive, so did his pride. And he got to the point where he became so full of himself that God was going to take him down. And so we learn in 2 Chronicles 12, 12, that even in the midst of being filled with himself, he got to the point, verse 12, where he humbled himself and the wrath of God turned from him so as not to make a complete destruction of him. Moreover, conditions were good in Judah. In other words, God was going to take down Judah. God was going to take down this king, Joash. But Joash humbled himself. And as a result of this humility, it stayed the hand of God, and God withheld complete destruction. In Proverbs chapter 16, Solomon reminds us, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. You see, the action or the fact of lapsing into sin or folly or of yielding to temptation is always preceded by pride. Whenever there's a moral decline, when there's a ruin, it is always preceded by pride. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit, an arrogant spirit before a fall. So I should want to be humble to avoid destruction. And I may not have the destruction that Joash almost encountered, but I will be suffering destruction if I'm filled with pride. Number two, I should want to be humble because that is the way in which I gain salvation. You see, if you're born again today, you are a born-again believer in Christ because you humbly understood that in and of yourself, you could not bring about redemption. 
you could not save yourself. You couldn't work hard enough, be good enough, pay enough, be baptized enough. You couldn't do enough good things to earn your salvation. In Psalm 18, verse 27, it says, God saves the humble, the humble people, but the haughty eyes, they are brought down. Now, I believe the number one reason that people don't get saved is not because there's good arguments against the existence of God, not because there's limited proof that salvation is necessary, not because of any other reason other than people are filled with pride. People don't want to get saved because they think they can save themselves. They don't want God to rule their lives. They want to be ruling their lives on their own. But you will never get saved until you realize you only can come to Christ in humility. Oh, don't let pride keep you from being born again. I should want to be humble so that I will avoid destruction, so that I can gain salvation. But not only do I gain salvation by being a humble person, I also gain God's favor. David wrote in Psalm 149, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. You get that phrase? The Lord takes pleasure in his people. That means God favors those who are humble. His people are humble and God favors those who are humble. Well, there's another reason that every one of us should strive to be humble. It is because through humility, we are able to gain God's wisdom. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. You remember the story of Solomon? God saw in the heart of Solomon somebody who was different. Solomon was given wisdom by God because when God says, Solomon, you can have anything that you set your heart desire on. In other words, God says, Solomon, whatever you wish, I will give to you. Well, Solomon realized that he could have asked for wealth or fame or power, but he didn't. He asked for wisdom. He says, I need your wisdom to guide your people. And God says to him, because you have asked for wisdom, because you have come to me in humility, I will give you wisdom, but I'll also give you those other things, the health and the wealth and the prosperity, all because you have gained my wisdom. Well, we've learned so far today what humility is. We've learned why we should want to be humble to avoid destruction, to gain salvation, to gain God's favor, and to gain wisdom. But who is it that actually exemplifies humility? Well, let's look at some of the character traits of those who actually are living in humility. You see, humble people have an accurate view of themselves. And I want to use the illustration of Abraham. Way back in Genesis chapter 18, it says that Abraham answered God. And as God is talking to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham was given the Abrahamic covenant that basically says that God was going to bless all of the earth because of the faith of Abraham. 
And so Abraham, now, as we fast forward the story just a bit, we discover now that Abraham has a nephew, and Lot finds himself in a bad situation. Lot finds himself in Sodom and Gomorrah. God's about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because their evil is crying out to God. But Abraham goes to the Lord and says, Now, would you spare Sodom and Gomorrah if I could find 50 people, 50 righteous people? And so God says, I tell you what, I'll spare them if you can find 50 righteous. Well, Abraham couldn't find 50 righteous. Now, now I want you to know that this gives me some hope for us in America, because I think that we could find more than 50 people righteous just in the Hampton Roads area. I think I could find more than 50 righteous people just in the Chesapeake area. I think I could even find more than 50 righteous people in the mega metropolis of Moyoc, North Carolina. I think that we have more than 50 righteous people in our community. But Abraham couldn't even find 50 righteous people. So he says, well, well how about 40? Couldn't find 40. Well, well how about 30? Uh, couldn't find 30. Well, well, how about 10? He couldn't even find 10. And so Abraham, as he is negotiating with God, Abraham says, Before I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, who am I but dust and ashes? And he comes with the right view of who he is as he humbly comes before God's throne. You see, when we are living in humility, we have an accurate view of who we are. When we're filled with pride, we have an elevated view of ourselves. When you think about humility, in our day and age, humility is really taking on a new form of pride. As a matter of fact, columnist David Brooks mocks what passes for humility these days. He points out to a tweet from the president of the European Central Bank who says, I was humbled to be awarded in an honorary degree by the London School of Economics earlier this week. Thank you so much for this prestigious honor. Note the false humility. I wasn't humbled. I was pride to receive that award. And he goes on talking about various tweets that go out. And he says, never tweet about any event that could actually lead to humility. For example, never tweet. I'm humbled that I went to a party and nobody noticed me. False humility. Never tweet, I'm humbled that I got fired for incompetence. Use the word humble in a different way. And it seems like today we have gotten to the point where there's false humility that is really pride. I want to encourage you today that those who walk in humility have an accurate view of themselves. But they also have an unworthy view of their accomplishments. And I want to use Moses as an example of this point. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now, as he's making this statement, this is not false humility. Moses looked at himself as unworthy. 
unworthy to lead his people out of bondage. Now, when we look at where Moses was, he's 80 years old. He has spent the first 40 years of his life getting the best of an education, getting connected in the home of Pharaoh. At age 40, he goes into the wilderness as he's a fugitive, and he spends 40 years in the backside of the wilderness. And in these 40 years, he's spending time with God. He's getting his PhD in how to survive the wilderness. Uh, He's getting an understanding of what God wanted him to do. He spends 40 years in preparation. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses doesn't say, you know what? I am your man. I was in Pharaoh's house. I've spent 40 years learning about you. I'm now mature. I am your man. He doesn't say that. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of bondage? In Mark chapter 7, we see somebody else who exemplified humility, John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was a guy that was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. Now, he could have said, I am the forerunner of Christ. I'm the one that's filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm the one that is born through Elizabeth, who was barren, but then she was able to have me. I'm a special child. He could have done that, but he didn't. Instead, he preaches and says, after me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. What an amazing, humble spirit. You see, those who walk in humility understand and have an accurate view of themselves. Those who walk in humility have an unworthy view of the accomplishments they are able to finish. But those who have a humble view have a very high view, not of themselves, but a high view of God. In Genesis chapter 41, Joseph is speaking with Pharaoh. And as he's speaking with Pharaoh, Pharaoh is having trouble finding an answer to the dream that he had. And he's searching around and all of his magicians and and all of the leaders within his entourage, they could not interpret the dream. But he learns about a guy by the name of Joseph. Joseph, who was called the dreamer, is able to interpret the dream. But notice what Joseph says as he's talking to Pharaoh. He doesn't say, oh yeah, I got a lot of experience, you know, being in the interpreter of dreams. He says, it's not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. You see, God wants us to have a high view of himself, an unworthy view of our accomplishments, realizing that we've got to have a proper view of who we are. You see, God is sovereign. That is, he is supreme. He is a God that is autonomous. You see, when I say that God is supreme, a true sovereign not only rules with power, but also has autonomy. That means he is self-sufficient. You think about somebody who might be a king. He is given that supremacy. He does not have that self-sufficient role. He is given that, that authority. You think about the president of the United States. Whether you like the president or not, I want you to know that he will only be given supremacy 
for four years, or if he wins a second term, eight years, and then his supremacy is over. But God is always supreme. He is always self-sufficient. You see, the God of our Bible is that sovereign God. As you look at his attributes, he is omniscient, he is all-powerful, he is omnipresent, he is eternal, he is unchangeable, he is righteous, he is majestic, he is holy. That's just to name a few. When I understand the sovereignty of God, it allows me to keep a high view of who he is. God is also holy. And we think about the holiness of God. And God is a God that is so holy that R.C. Sproul even once said, any attempt to understand God apart from his holiness is idolatry. You see, holiness is a hard concept to grasp because only God is holy. So I want you to join me tomorrow for part two of living in humility, having healing through humility. If I can pray for you, please shoot me a text at 252-267-2365, 252-267-2365. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining me tomorrow for part two, Living in Humility. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.